This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. On this December 15th, we welcome you to a very special edition of Real Talk live uh, streaming on YouTube and on the Mixler audio app. That's brought to you by California Closets and, of course, on demand wherever you get your podcasts and at YouTube.com. You know, typically we'll kick off every show with a little bit of small talk with the technical producer of this show, John Hicks and myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're lucky enough to have an independent senator from Alberta joining us in studio in the historic Mercer Warehouse Senator Paula Simons, how nice to have you here. Thanks for making time for us. You know, I've been on this show since the very beginning, but I've never been in the studio. So yeah. It's very exciting to be here with you guys. It's a wonderful treat. And you and I were just laughing. Uh, you have somewhere to get today. Uh, and I'm going to butcher the name of it because it's a big, long one. But essentially, you're at a Western Canadian conference on soil health and grazing. That is correct. And we're going to learn a little bit about <laughs> soil health today, which is awesome. And we've actually been talking about it quite a bit. Grasslands and, and conservation of biodiversity with COP15 happening right now. A couple of wonderful guests, uh, including yesterday, the CEO of the Calgary Zoo. And we had uh, Tom Lynch Staunton, who's a, a, a former cattleman and a conservationist with the Nature Conservancy of Canada, joined us last week. He said the biggest threat to biodiversity in Canada, in his opinion, uh, it's, it starts by we start solving it with the grasslands. Yeah. And so how did you get involved in that? Well, I, I've been for a year now the deputy chair of the Standing Senate Committee on Agriculture and Forestry. Now, I mean, I'm a city girl. But I'm the only Albertan on the committee. And so I put my hand up when they were looking for a deputy chair. And we embarked in September on what is going to be a major in-depth soil study. This is led by our chair, Rob Black, who is uh, from farm country in Guelph. But, you know, Rob has been such an evangelist. All the rest of us on the committee have now become quite swept up in the study of soil health and biodiversity in soil and regenerative agriculture. And one of the things I didn't appreciate, even as a lifelong Albertan, is the importance of those grazing lands as carbon sinks. Because oftentimes we think of trees and forests and the rainforest and the boreal forests, but it's really our natural grasslands that are some of the best carbon sinks on the planet. And ironically, although I think, you know, there's a lot of sort of environmental chatter about uh, the impact of the beef industry, those grasslands were evolved to be grazed and, you know, evolved to be grazed by bison and elk. But once, you know, human beings uh, eliminated the bison, it actually upsets the ecological balance if those lands aren't grazed. And so I think ranchers who are very keenly aware of the impact of climate change on their own territories have become champions of of this kind of environmental thinking. And it's really been inspiring to me. The conference is sold out. There are almost 500 delegates there. They are farmers and ranchers from all over the Prairie West, from Kamloops to, to you know, to, to Winnipeg. And to be in this room of farmers and ranchers who are not, you know, your stereotypical picture of environmental activists. Right. And to see them this is coming from the heart. This is coming, you should pardon the expression, from the grassroots. Mm-hmm. They really understand the importance of regenerative agricultural techniques. They understand that just piling on nitrogen fertilizer isn't good for isn't good for uh, for climate change. It isn't good for the soil, and they are really quite bravely, in some cases, standing up to their own peers 
and saying we need to find a new way to do agriculture, a way that can be just as profitable, but without pillaging the, you know, the mineral values of the earth. I love these conversations. Uh, John, we had our minds blown yesterday with the talk on biodiversity. We, we started talking. I mean, essentially, the, the context of it was the changing mandate of zoos and, and, and how zoos can be and in some cases are not palatable to people, including visitors. And uh, yesterday, it was, it was really interesting. You know, we're talking to senior leadership there. And he says, listen, like one in 10 Canadians uh, visited zoos last year. And we started talking, and it's just to me, um, there are so many things out there we don't know. You know, the average person might go like, you, you stop the average person on the street and say like, what do you know about soil health? Or what do you know about, you know, changes that are being made in, in, in agriculture technology? Or how are people getting back to better understanding maybe indigenous methods or whatever the case may be? All of these fascinating conversations on things that are kind of sleeper issues in a way. Yeah, you know, and it's funny because some of the farmers that I've been speaking with, they sort of joke around that when they're experimenting with things like new kinds of cover crops to do nitrogen fixing in the soil, when they're, you know, trying to plant so it's not just a monoculture of canola or a monoculture of wheat in their fields, that sometimes they do those fields away from the highway, you know, sort of deep into the centers of their farm so that people can't see what they're doing. Right. And I talked to I talked to one guy who's a farmer and rancher from near Rocky Mountain House yesterday. And he said to me, I planted mine right up against the blacktop. <laughs> you know, he's he's you know, he's not gonna hide anymore the fact that he's experimenting with with these new agricultural techniques. And because I, I think it's really difficult, right? If if it's Ottawa that's perceived as coming in and saying, you know, you must do this and you must do that, there will be a you know, a psychological natural reaction of backlash. Oh, the Trudeau fertilizer yeah, ban. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But when it's when it's farmers and ranchers and entrepreneurs saying, you know, I'm an agricultural entrepreneur and I have a different technique that doesn't involve nitrogen. And there, you know, these all these guys at the trade show are there, they know that we that we overuse nitrogen. They know that we have to cut back on nitrogen emissions. And instead of saying, oh, I hate the government, they're saying, look, I have a different product. I have something that we could use instead and I could make money doing it. So when people get a market signal and I think a signal from their peers, I think that's much more effective than say, oh, some Ponzi senator coming mm. in and telling them what to do. Some senator from some Ottawa. Some senator so, from, from, from Westmount, you know, in, in fairness. <laughs> from but... Westmount in Edmonton. You were, we were talking about this uh, a while ago. You've got, I mean, most people know about your newspaper career and you're off the top of my head, uh, two national newspaper awards, right? You've Yeah, solo and then a couple other team, uh, team, team ones. Plus a whole bunch of other yeah. accolades in a, in a really wonderful career. And, and uh, most people, of course, know about your background in journalism. But I don't know how many people know that you used to wake up before the crack of dawn, uh, you did, uh, and and were a senior producer for morning radio for many yep. many years. Yep, I, uh, I yeah, I used to I used to be the, the you know the studio director for Edmonton AM on CBC for a while. Yeah, um, and you know, and it probably wasn't that long. It just feels like it was that long when you're waking up at two thirty. Yeah, it's you know your your circadian rhythms never get used to that. They just don't. I mean. It doesn't matter what time you go to bed. Uh, so, you know, I, I've been flying a lot at that kind of crack of dawn time. Uh -huh. And I had to get back to like, oh, yeah, no, my alarm is going off at 3.30 in the morning. Right, because I have to be at the airport at 4.30 to catch my 6 o'clock flight. Uh, and you just realize how much of this city is run on the labor of people who are getting up yeah. at that time, whether they are the passenger agents and the security officers at the airport or the people at the Tim Hortons or the people driving the taxis or the people, 
you know, so much of this city runs on the unseen labor of people who are working in the very, very early hours of the morning. That's such a good and point. I would just like, I think it's a, it's a kind of fellowship that needs to be recognized. I remember when I was working breakfast television, hosting those, those six years in a wonderful period of time, but also it, it takes its toll. Yeah. Right. And, and I was hosting Oilers games. Johnny and I were both working for the Oilers at that time. And I'd get home at 1130 or 12 o'clock at night. And the alarm would be going at three, you know, production meeting at four. And, uh, and, and by the, it's also like you're on TV, so you can't yes. look like well, you've yes, been because, up all night. Thank goodness I was a radio producer and thank goodness it was the late eighties and early nineties <laughs> and sort of jogging pants were in fashion. No live stream. So I had, I had sort of an entire wardrobe of clothes that were basically <laughs> fancy pajamas yes. that I could just slip into um oh, you know but i would try i'd be driving into work and i would see people out for a run and those are the people i would think i would say i'm up this early because i'll get fired if i didn't yeah um the runners convinced themselves to get up on their own volition for the for their own purposes which i always thought deserved even a little bit more respect yeah you know and you're out in the morning uh where, where you and i live in the city i was walking my dog quite early yesterday morning in the dark yeah and i wanted to go our usual route and she pulled away and she wouldn't go there and i thought what is up with her and then I looked and thought, oh, there's a great big coyote sitting right there on the sidewalk in really? front of us. So we walked smartly in the opposite direction. Wow, the coyote was just chilling out? Yeah, yeah, just, you know, just trotting along. What you time know, was this? Like 6. 15 really? 30 yeah it wasn't even that that early but yeah i don't know if i don't know if i would say this returns to what we were talking about yesterday and and i wouldn't say that like coyotes are getting more bold uh, maybe they're we, we use the human term like bold it's also just that everyone's eliminating mm -hmm. their habitat so they really have no choice but to interact with yeah us. i've just been hearing a lot about you know friends and neighbors of you know having to protect their dogs and stuff they're getting they're getting more and more brave you know yeah. coming into the backyards and stuff like that yeah, I, don't I, don't, know. I don't know if they're brave or they're desperate or whatever yes. they are but you know i um we attribute like human characteristics yeah. they're bold and brave well they might just be starving and have nowhere to go yeah but i was very happy that that one just ignored me yeah as I ignored although they don't really look like they're starving they look pretty healthy no this one this one did not look mangy it looked like yeah. it was heaven. which isn't great if you consider no. what their diets probably house house cats and i'm no. not trying to be funny um it, we, we have a long list of things i want to talk about and uh you say you're leaving twitter we're gonna have to find out why because sixty-five thousand of your followers will probably be disappointed but let me address for people that are hearing this on the podcast podcast, they probably have not detected this uh, to this point, 10 minutes into our conversation, but people seeing us on YouTube will note that you're you're masked up. You're wearing I a mask. Am. And Sapria Devetti and I on our podcast project, Seriously, it's out every Wednesday, seriouslypod.com. We talked about it yesterday. And, you know, on one hand, we wonder where are the provinces right now? Because children's hospitals are overwhelmed and, yeah. and uh, it's not just COVID. Influenza A and, and respiratory illnesses are, are running yeah. rampant. Our, RSV is a huge problem. This they're year they're bringing the healthcare system to its knees to a certain degree. And, uh, and and we're, we're talking about the onus that's on chief medical officers of health and, and premiers and health ministers and, and to a certain degree, maybe even the federal government. And then we point out the obvious, which is that the average citizen, myself included, can do their part and just mask up now. But the majority of us aren't. And that's just a fact. That's just real talk. What's your position on it all? Why are you masked up right now? Well, I mean, I'm masked up for it 
you know, for personal reasons, which are that I, you know, I had cancer in my lymph nodes a few years ago and I'm missing a bunch of lymph nodes. So I just as soon not test my immune system over much. And years ago, when I was working at the CBC, you might remember there was a whooping cough epidemic at Masquachis, known as Obima then. Mm. And a bunch of us in the CBC newsroom got whooping cough. Really? Even though we'd been vaccinated, because it turns out you need to get boosters, but nobody ever does because whooping cough is, you know, we thought was a dead disease. So a bunch of us got whooping cough. And since then, Ever since then, I have what they call reactive airway disorder, which is a fancy word for saying I cough a lot when I get sick. Okay. And so I started wearing the mask like everybody else did at the, at the beginning of this. And I haven't been sick. I haven't had anything. And I've quite enjoyed not being sick and coughing until I sound like I'm a character from a, you know, a 19th century opera dying of tuberculosis. <laughs> so... And then, you know, once the Senate doesn't have hybrid sittings, unlike the House of Commons. So in order to attend the Senate, I have to be there. Mm. And that means flying back and forth every week. The flight connections are not great right now. So that often means, you know, being in transit for 10, 10, 12 hours to get from Edmonton to Ottawa on the regular. And so I wear a really good mask when I fly because I, you know, I'm, I'm traveling a lot. When I get to the Senate, I mean... Once upon a time, Ottawa, a government town, everybody was masking. And then at some point, everybody just stopped. Yeah. And I, you know, I started wearing the mask for myself. Now I think I'm owing, I'm wearing it in part to troll people because it drives a certain kind of person completely round the bend. And so they say, you know, why are you masking? So I say things like, well, it means I don't have to pluck the hairs on my menopausal chin anymore. <laughs> uh, you know, it means I didn't have to floss my teeth. But, you know, I didn't have to get lipstick on. But, you know, it, all I can say is I've had as many vaccines as, as I can get. I've, you know, I've had the bivalent shot. I've had the flu shot. I wear my mask. I have to be out in public a lot. I can't. You know, I, you know, there was, I saw some. I so, saw you taking some some fire, though. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, I think you had had your mask off for three seconds to take a photo or oh, something. No, oh, there no, was that, an event I mean, that, you attended. What no, was you know it? What again? it w- I'll tell you what that was about. I was at the Edmonton Fringe. Yes, I was outside. Outside this I summer. Was outside this summer, there was no one anywhere around me, and I took a selfie of myself standing by the fringe sign. Yeah, and people were like, "Why aren't you wearing a mask?" But those were not good faith questions. Those questions were coming from mostly readers of the Rebel. Okay, um, I see. Right, so they, they were like- The How? right wing, not the left. Yeah, no, it's like, oh, we caught you out in this hypocrisy. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, my my, my, my honeys, I am okay. I am outside by myself. I hate to break it to you, but sometimes when I'm outside by myself, I take my mask off. When I went to see fringe shows, I was really careful. I chose theaters that were newer with good ventilation. Yeah. I sat as far away from other people as I could and I wore a mask. Was your daughter starring at the fringe again this year? No, no. She um she was not home for the summer. Okay. She's uh uh she's finished law school Ooh. now. I mean, I don't know, she was like my my little baby. So she's finished law school little and babies is, all grows up. Yeah, she passed the bar exam and she's articling in Vancouver. Congratulations. And yes, but she's she's getting involved with theater there. And I will just say for her that uh yesterday I shouldn't say this because this is unethical. It is not my job as a senator to promote my daughter's <laughs> theater. Uh but her podcast series Hard Boiled, yes. which you were kind enough to it's talk so about good. when it launched. They just released a Christmas special last night. I just listened to it this morning. It's called Busman's Yuletide. It's about a murder that takes place at the Banff Springs Hotel, solved by 
her detective Jack Cassidy, P.I., a hard-boiled noir detective solving crimes on the mean streets of Edmonton in the 1930s. And in this case, uh, Jack, which is short for Jacqueline, uh, is for complicated reasons at the Bamp Springs Hotel, okay. where bad things go the down. The haunted Bamp Springs That's Hotel. Right. So I just I'm I, finding it right now on a quick search at Empress of Blandings Productions on Facebook. Is that where we should send people? Yes, you could. Yes, uh, yeah. or Empress of Blandings Productions dot com. It looks yeah. like as yeah. well, and you can you, you can find it on all good podcast platforms yeah. wherever so, you get your podcast so sorry i i don't think it's actually ethical at all for me to use this venue well, here's but the thing is like, but you have to worry about like <laughs> you know in, in our line of work now especially as an independent entity um the, the whole what's ethical and what's not thing you get to like the human ethics of course but i'm talking about expanding beyond that yeah. we get to a point where we can kind of shoot from the hip we can kind of be a little more loosey goosey yeah, you gotta really watch yourself. yeah i have to i have to, i have to be like Quite. if somebody cracks on me on Twitter, I can just tell them to beat it. No, you can, I mean, a senator can't tell people no, to beat it. No, and a senator has an ethical code, right? You know, I'm obviously <laughs> not supposed to use my position as a senator to to upgrade you know. your flights and yeah. No, no, well, no, that well. that that that's allowed. <laughs> <laughs> We need everyone to travel comfortably. We're <laughs> hanging out with Senator Paula Simons. We haven't even talked about it's not the elephant in the room. It's the it's rooster. The it's a, uh, she's a she's a she's a she's a hen. Her name is Henday. She's a hen. That's not a rooster. You know, that looks like a hen. It looks like a rooster to me. Henday is rejecting your your uh, your gender binary My application paradigm. of gender. Um, well, yeah, I I guess um, uh, she's, she's she's a paper mache. It is a, it I, is an I, earl's. Hand, it was I it was an Earl's recognize hand, yes. it correct as a, as a longtime Earl's employee. I rec I would recognize those chickens anywhere. Yep. Uh, we're going to find out more about Henday, uh, who is gracing us with their presence on the Real Talk table by uh, by Urban uh, Timber. You see how we do this? We can just work in integrate these all over the place. Hanging out with Paula Simons. We'll find out why she's quitting Twitter. I want to ask you about the Toronto Life piece, the hit job on Edmonton, and uh, and also want to talk a bit about Hanukkah. It's coming up, yes, and, and you've got some really cool the, stuff the, the happening. The hen and Hanukkah go together. The hen and Hanukkah. There's there's uh there's a kind of a scavenger hunt, kind of a cool there thing that we're going to tee up here in just a second. These conversations, uh, including this one today with Senator Paula Simons, are presented by amazing sponsors like the family-owned team uh, Eden Landscaping. You can find them online at Landscape Edmonton. You're going to sit there and you're going to go, Jesperson. It's like minus fifteen where we're listening and, and we're scraping snow off our sidewalks, and the last thing we're thinking about is landscaping. Well, that's the point is we don't think about it until it becomes spring and then the, the, the daffodils are popping up and then you go, I should contact the landscaper and then they go, well, we're working on like 10 projects right now. And then you got to pull your real property report and they got to get your plans drafted. And then the next thing you know, it's August, right? Uh, don't let that happen. Check out landscapeedmonton.ca today. Maybe a stocking stuffer, a note in your loved one's stocking that there's a consultation booked with Eden Landscaping bringing outdoor spaces to life for more than 20 years at landscapeedmonton.ca. Our friends at McBain Camera are looking out for you. If you're one of those that are looking to give the perfect gift to the creator in your life, but you've left it until two weeks till Christmas, if you go to mcbaincamera.com right now, you can learn more about the McBain holiday sale, including saving up to $450 on Canon cameras and lenses, like $100 off the sleek, lightweight Canon EOS R10. The EOS R10 features 15 frames per second. That's amazing. Continuous shooting and lightning fast autofocus. 
Great for shooting sports, wildlife, or even your kids celebrating Christmas morning. You can pick up the Canon EOS R10 in an 18 to 45 millimeter lens. That's a great versatile lens for just $13.29.99 at McBain. Get a free Roots Messenger bag as well. And don't forget a lot of other deals on Canon gear, everything backed by 30 day price protection. So you can shop with confidence knowing you're guaranteed the lowest price. McBain, create to inspire. And we're really excited this week to be launching a partnership with our friends at California Closets. Uh, We had California Closets redo our living space a number of years ago where we live, our living room, unbelievable job, bookshelves, integrated media, and then our closets. Are you kidding me? They set you up for organized beauty. Let me tell you, there's nothing like getting ready in the morning to face the day in a California closet. They've got a whole new brand. They're doing garage makeovers and over the next number of months, we're gonna be telling you about those. You can check them out online today at californiaclosets.ca. All right, so we're uh, three days away from Hanukkah, right? December 18th this year, I think. It's- uh, I'm down Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. uh, Senator Paula Simons, independent senator from Alberta, joining us in studio. Uh, how, how How do you prepare? For Hanukkah, do you have certain family traditions or what do you look forward to every year? Yes. Well, so, so far I have tried to get all the wax out of my menorah uh, and I'm not doing very well because the problem is, you know, you, you, you swear at the end of the holiday that you're going to clean it out before you put it away. And then you go, I got 11 months to do yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. So now I'm trying to get all the, you know, all the old candle wax. <laughs> is there a trick? Uh, yeah. Hot water. I did, but I did a ter- I did a terrible, stupid rookie thing. I put it in the dishwasher Ooh. thinking, no, and it's now it's, uh, now I've, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I think I'm going to have to soak it in. What's it made soap. out of? It, it, it's just metal. Is it like a stainless steel yeah. or something like yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, okay. you, you can make them out of anything. And sometimes, you know, you see novelty ones in the shape of moose horns and Star Trek ships and things, but mine So is, that's allowed, hey? Well, it's not a very religious holiday. Oh. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who think that's, that's terribly, um, irreverent but Hanukkah because it coincides with Christmas people assume that it has the same importance to Jewish people that Christmas does to non-Jews and it, it it really doesn't it's it's a smaller festival I once said it's like the Jewish version of St. Patrick's Day which isn't exactly the right cognate <laughs> but it's not it's not a huge sacred festival so it's it's kind of a fun festival and because it coincides with Christmas um, I think a lot of Jewish people kind of have camped it up a bit to have a little extra fun at a time when other people are having a celebration they're not, you know, usually part of. So, yes. So, I mean, what I did yesterday is I ordered, you know, from my favorite farmer, uh, I ordered a big bag of russet potatoes and a big bag of onions. And so there will be latkes frying at my house as soon as my daughter gets home on the 20th. We will be, we will be waiting because for just my husband and me making a whole pile of potato pancakes is... We will wait until we you, have a kid home. You ordered directly from producers? You ordered directly from the farmer? Yes. Wow. That's yes. cool. Yeah. Have you been doing that forever or just since it became cool? Just, just, well, a little bit forever, but certainly during COVID it became, you know, that was when I started. I think that was when the farmer in question started doing. That's really great. Started doing delivery. Yeah. To our neighborhood. If you you, wow. you, you, you want me to hook you up with my potato guy. Yeah. Well, I would rather you just hook me up with your latkes. That sounds <laughs> that sounds like a better deal for me. Well, the other thing is that my, my my daughter and my Anglican husband are much better latke makers. My ADHD makes me constitutionally unable to fry pancakes. It doesn't it doesn't matter if they're flapjacks or latkes. 
I, you know, either I get impatient and I flip them before they're ready to be flipped, yeah. or I start looking at my phone and then, you know, my husband comes upstairs and says, why is there all this smoke in the kitchen? So for me, I'm really good at making things like, you know, stews and spaghetti sauce and things that you don't have to look at all the time. Sure. The ones that can I'm, simmer that's for right. hours. I'm, I'm a very good brazer. I'm not a very good fryer. Oh, so. My friend Blair is a master in the kitchen and I was talking to him yesterday and he was telling me I need, to, I know it's not new, but he was telling me I need to get on the sous vide train. No. He, he said, he said to me, sous vide is perfect, Jespo, because you can forget that you have a prime rib going for like 90 minutes and no. it will have I mean, no bearing people, on it. People, there was one Christmas where I think every Everybody in our family got given a sous vide and they're all in the basement. We've never, you know, I, I <laughs> I'll like, give you 50 bucks for one. How's that? I, I like, I like my food to be brown. Um, I, I, I don't quite see the point of steaming it in the plastic. Bag. Yeah. Well, he said, he said, then you got to finish it on the grill. Yeah, but, this is how he does his primary. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very happy for him, okay, but yeah, good. so that's, so we will celebrate Hanukkah. We will light the candles. We will wait till my daughter gets home. We will have a big fry up of latkes and I will be celebrating this year in a new and special way, Ryan Jesperson. Tell me all about it. I am bringing back my Yeg Quest photo scavenger hunt okay. on, a, on a Hanukkah theme. You know, I've done a couple of these once when I was at, still at the Edmonton Journal and, and two years ago, that first really bad COVID Christmas. Yeah. So this year, because Hanukkah falls quite late um, and because the hen is named Hen Day, like the ring road and it's Hanukkah. So this is called the eight days of Hanukkah of Hanukkah, Hanukkah plus one. Okay. So I'm doing this with the support of the Edmonton Jewish Federation who've, uh, who've come on board to help me promote this this year. Uh, and so starting on Sunday morning, which is a bit of a cheat because Hanukkah doesn't start till sundown, but it's hard to look for things in the dark. So starting Sunday morning, Every day I will post a different picture of Hende and I will post her on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and on my brand new Mastodon account. And people will have to figure out from a, the clue that I drop and from the photo where she is. And then they have to go to where she was. She won't be there anymore. Uh, she'll be home sleeping. Uh, and then Roosting. They have to, roosting, exactly, yeah. with, her, with her head tucked under her wing. And they have to go to where she was and take a picture of themselves in the same place and then upload the picture to whatever uh, social media they use with the hashtag YegQuest. And uh, then I will collate all the pictures and... Uh, the Jewish Federation is donating a wonderful cookbook by uh, by uh, author Bonnie Stern and her daughter. Who I don't think it's a Jewish cookbook per se. I think it's a cookbook that has Jewish recipes in it. Mm. Um, and I'll do a draw, and so the cookbook will go, you know, sort of random to the the winner of the draw. Selected at random. Should right. we should we direct people to Henday's Instagram account, which I'm showing right now? It's Henday Yeg Chick. On Instagram or your Twitter at politics, P-A-U-L-A-T-I-C-S. Yeah. Nice or my, play on words there. Or my Mastodon, which is also at politics. So tell me about, okay, hang on a second. We can come back to, to Henday, and I want to talk a bit more about Hanukkah. Um, but but this whole move, yeah. I've seen people, some people yeah. in their Twitter bios now, and there's going to be some people that are like, well, you guys stop talking about Twitter. But it's actually a thing. It's a real thing. It's and real thing. Uh, it's a real story. And this is how millions of people communicate um but you really are serious about closing down a platform where you have sixty-five thousand attentive followers well this is the first time i've said it publicly and now that i've said it on this show i must go i must the cat's out of the bag I, well i must i must i must live up to well, this i don't want to force promise. you out no. there's no pressure but there is pressure because you know i've been on twitter since 2009 i was not 
like the first person in Edmonton on Twitter. That was Mac Mail. But I was, you know, a relatively early adopter. Uh, Twitter has been a huge part. It was a huge part of my practice as a journalist. I use Twitter to live tweet everything, you know, every city council debate on building the arena, legislature question period, criminal trials. I mean, my Twitter feed was a front row seat on politics and culture in Edmonton for a long, long time. And when I joined the Senate, I kept on tweeting and I was the first senator uh, (laughs) to live tweet Senate debates, especially at a time when I first started in the Senate, wasn't being live streamed the video. Um, I was one of the only sources of information about what was happening in the Senate in real time. And so Twitter to me has been a hugely important part of my life and a hugely important part of the way I've built relationships in this city. I mean, I think Edmonton was an early adopter of Twitter and the Edmonton Twitter community was always a very rich, vibrant, diverse place, even when it, you know, had witch hunts and things. And you and I have both been, sure. you and I have both made mistakes and you and I have both been subject to being called out on Twitter. It's not always pleasant. No. But something changed. Hmm. Uh, you know, it started with Trump. It started with Russian bots in, you know, uh, infesting the site back during that first Trump presidential campaign. But since Elon Musk took over, it's like the whole thing is running without guardrails. So you know, there's been an increase in hacking, an increase in real concerns about uh, privacy protection and identity protection. The amount of hate on Twitter just globally, I haven't personally seen a huge uptick in hate directed towards me. I mean, touch... Yeah. would it's probably only a matter of time um but just generally and the whole thing just seems like it's being held together with chewing gum and bailing wire uh see bailing wire i've been spending too much time at the a lot of time with the farmers with, with, with the cowboys this week but yeah. um so i started a mastodon account about a month ago just to see what it was. I have it up here so people that are watching on YouTube can see it. Um, I have no idea what Mastodon is. I don't understand it really. Um, and I've not made a move over. I kind of think like if Twitter burns to the ground, I'll watch it burn and walk away and, and we'll see what comes of it. But but there are people that are migrating over to this yeah. new platform. You're one of them. Yeah. So I started migrating to Mastodon and at first I didn't get the rush that I got on Twitter because, you know, I didn't get responses from 65,000 people. Right. But I'll tell you the honest truth. I have found over the last few months, engagement on Twitter and Facebook has really dropped off. I mean, there were times- Big time. Big time. Like on Facebook, you know, I used to post something on Facebook and I'd get a hundred comments. There'd be all this really thoughtful discussion. And now, even when I post something that should be, I don't want to say clickbait, I don't post clickbait, but when I have something that is akin to clickbait on Facebook, maybe gets 10 comments. You know, it's it's not what it was. And on Mastodon, I think because everybody who's there is brand new and the shine is not off of it. Mm. So I post something on Mastodon and even though I've only got 2,000 followers, I'm getting engagement that is on par sometimes with Twitter and Facebook. So and how so, is Mastodon? Can you explain it to me like as a pleb? And I, I don't understand. Well, yeah, I mean, I know you're is, new to it as I'm well. I'm very new to it. So I mean, but Mast- I, like, is it, what is it? It's, is it like Twitter? It's just not it's, a garbage fire? It's closer to being like Twitter than it is to being like Instagram or Facebook. So Twitter's the best cognate. It is not a private company. It's sort of all volunteers and enthusiasts who are running what they call different instances. Okay. So you can sign on, there's sort of different channels. So 
I belong to something called mastodon.ca, uh, which is mastodon. It's like mastodon yeah, with no all vowels, the vowels taken right? out. Yeah. .ca, which is actually run by an administrator based in Edmonton. It's so it's the Canadian channel. So it's where a lot, not all, because you can visit people who are on other instances. It's sort of like the multiverse of Spider-Man, right? So it sounds too confusing for a guy like but, me. But you know what? If you don't think about it, like if, if, if I'm explaining to you the architecture of the Federation and the Federated model, it just starts to sound like gobbledygook. Was but, that a Star Trek reference? No, that's what they call it. Oh, that's what they call it. I mean, okay. I like, you know, and a lot of it is based out of Europe and it's so like when I first went on, there were not very many Canadians and most of the people I was following were in Germany and Norway and, uh, you know, Great Britain. Now there are a lot more Canadians who are on this Canadian channel that I'm following. So it sounds, is it, is it a little bit more like LinkedIn? Like it sounds, a no, to me, I see. No, it's way more fun than LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, and, but there are these communities of people having conversations. So, you know, I stumbled into this world there are a whole bunch of MOSS scientists, M-O-S-S, -S, yeah. scientists from around the world, and they have their own thing that they call Mostodon. So you, you want to look at pictures of cool moss? You can look at pictures of cool moss. Because I'm interested suddenly in soil health and, and regenerative agriculture and grazing lands, I found a whole community of soil scientists that I'm following lurking on their conversations. So whatever your sort of weird little niche interest is you yes. can find a community of like-minded people i think a lot of scientists um have been using this to talk to other scientists around the world in their field so you can sort of get into these little nodes of interest you know one of the things that's frustrating though is that a lot of people are just retweeting like you know reposting their twitter posts and it's it, it's meant to be a little bit more conversational you got a little more you got okay. a little more space. Although now Twitter's to going to four thousand characters on tweets, uh, and it's going to be. I, you know what? You I know like what, you so, know who you, you know who's speaking my language right now. Alyssa on our live chat. She says I refuse to join another social platform. Alyssa says if Twitter dies, I will happily live without it. Honestly, I think I've outgrown social media. I feel that to a certain yeah. degree as well. I, think, I mean, I think you know, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, we had Facebook and Twitter that created this extraordinary paradigm shift. Yes. In the way we consumed information, and you know, I mean. Here's the horrible irony. They basically destroyed conventional media. And now Facebook is facing its own existential crisis. Yeah. And sort of what's been left after they burned down everything. Um, so, you know, Alyssa, my daughter agrees with you. She keeps coming up in this conversation. My daughter's wanted me off Twitter for years. And so... She's wanted you off Twitter. Yes. Oh, I, really? I, I think she feels that, you know, in her childhood, I neglected her to tweet sometimes. I remember... Uh, you know, being at some event and she said, you know, why can't you just be here with us and your family? Why do you have mm. to tweet to everybody? Um, so it might be better for my mental health, not to be on any social media, but yeah. for me, Mastodon has been fun because it sort of recaptures that idealistic energy. I'll poke around of, on it of and, early and take Twitter. a look. So, so here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen, I have given myself a deadline of December 31st wow. to stop tweeting. So Henneke is my last hurrah. And I figure this is a great way to go out on Twitter with a celebration of Jewish culture and Yiddishkeit and take that, all you anti-Semites out there on Twitter. I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory posting pictures of a chicken celebrating Hanukkah. I want to ask you about that. And I, I just looked at the clock and I knew time would fly when we're hanging out with you. And I got to let you get to this. I've got to go to my soil, soil conference. conference, which means that if I live up to my promise to you, which I will, we only have five minutes left with you. And 
And I want to talk about two huge things. Uh, one of them is the rise in anti-Semitism. Um, and, and the other one, real quick, we'll wrap with, we'll have some fun with this Toronto Life hit job on Edmonton. But um, I, I mean, Kanye West, obviously, the, probably the biggest example. But if you talk about what's happening on Twitter, if you take a look at, at Donald Trump announcing he'll run again in 2024, people are, I mean, things are going, like Kanye West, for perspective, I know I'm not telling you this, I know you already know this, is I'm open, so cool. he's openly praising Adolf Hitler. Yep. And uh, and I'm just sort of left without the words to even try to address. You it. know, I mean, I think the man is ill. What concerns me more is not so much that Kanye West is having a full on, you know, nervous breakdown on social media. It's all of the people who are excusing it. And that that to me is is more dangerous. Uh, you know, anti-Semitism has always been a part of my Twitter experience. You know, I mean, this is this is nothing new. I'm not even. You know, my dad was Jewish, my mother was not, so technically I'm not a practicing Jew, but that's never stopped the anti-Semite trolls from attacking me on Twitter for, you know, for more than a decade. The problem is that Twitter had begun to get much better about this. You know, you could report these tweets and they would come down. And now, I, you know, I think the feeling is you can report all you want, but, you know, what do you, what do, you do about a platform where the owner tweets that his pronouns yeah. are arrest Fauci. Yeah, prosecute you know, Fauci. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's not, yeah, prosecute Fauci. Yeah, the it's, owner. Like not- I mean, you know, I mean, it feels like, it, you know, it's not that I thought Jack Dorsey had my back at everything, but, you know, uh, there were people who were moderating Twitter who would take down the worst of the bad stuff. And now they've let every Yahoo out of Twitter jail and given everyone back their accounts, including people who were extremely bad actors. And I just don't feel like... Uh, this is not helpful discourse. I mean, dealing with anti-Semitism is really, really difficult because you have to leave room for legitimate criticism of the of the policies of the state of Israel. You can't just say every criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic, but a lot of criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic. I mean, I saw someone someone proclaimed yesterday. I'd be curious for your take on this. Uh, and I know I, I'm I appreciate your willingness to dig into this real talk. Somebody said the other day, anti-Zionism is not inherently anti-Semitism. And it yeah. kickstarted a big yeah, back but, and but, forth. But it often is. You know, I mean, I, you know, I reserve unto myself the right to be critical of policies of the Israeli government. I reserve unto myself the right to be extremely critical of the continued re-election of Benjamin Netanyahu, who is also a bad actor. Um, you know, and in Yiddish there's a phrase, shanda for goyim, you know, an embarrassment in front of the non-Jews. So, you know, I think that there are plenty of Jews who need to be willing to call out Israel when it makes mistakes. But that's very different from saying that Zionism, you know, there has to, as I say, there has to be room for legitimate criticism of Israel. A lot of criticism of Israel is just a cloak for anti-Semitism. It comes from the left. It comes from the right. Uh, you know, but my, my, my Twitter feed has been full for months now as of my inbox with, you know, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about vaccines, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about monetary policy. I mean, I just, it's a cacophony and I don't want to be part, you know, for all these years, you and I gave away some of our best intellectual property to Twitter for free. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, I was the product and I don't want to be part of that. I don't want to be part of it anymore. And it's going to be very hard for me, but I, you know, I, I figure by taking this public vow here, if it helps me, you know, live up 
to the promise I made to my daughter that my New Year's resolution would be. And I'm not going to cancel my account because then somebody can just- Someone will take it. Someone will steal the name politics and start tweeting out garbage. Um, you know. You're just going to let it rest. I think I'm just going to let, let it, go it rest. You're going yeah. to put it, what did they say? Uh, uh, it's going to hibernate. Yeah, it's uh, furlough. That's right. If, if you we, know, we'll bring because, our crop conversation Because, full you know, I, 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 I might need to, I might need to peek every now and again. Well, you might need to pop back on every once in a while to, to yeah, push but, something out but, there. But, you know, I'm really going to try to not do that. And so, as I say, everybody, everybody do Hanukkah and then we can all, you know, we can, we can say perhaps until we meet again, but come, yeah, come, come play with me on a different social media yeah, platform. There you go. Well, I've, you've got people in the live chat right now saying, well, maybe we'll go check out Mastodon. People are trying to pin it down. They're you saying know, it not, sounds like a mix of Twitter and Reddit. It's not, it's not going to be for everyone, but so yeah. far, so far I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And the fact that it's locally moderated. That's kind of cool. All right. Yeah. So now should we talk about the Toronto life? Well, girl? so here's the should thing. We if, you were, if you were on yesterday, we would have led with this, but, but, but now we'll wrap. Uh, Jackie Thomas tells uh, Toronto Life, as told to Alex Sear, a journalist, um, I moved to Alberta and hated everything about it. After three months, I came back to Toronto. She is now the, the talk of the nation as, uh, as, as Western Canada defends itself against Eastern Canada's uh, misinterpretations of the wonder <laughs> that awaits right. living in Edmonton right, or so, 30 minutes south. All right, so, so, here, so here's the deal. She's from Mississauga and she moved to Leduc. Right. So if you want to have a cool hipster life in Edmonton, you know, you can, I mean, we're on cool, cool, cool 104th Street. You could get a condo or an apartment here. You could get a condo or an apartment on White Avenue. What you cannot do is move to Leduc and then complain about the lack of nightlife. Uh, but, you know, I think reading between, <laughs> not, you don't even have to read between the lines here. She got seduced by housing prices. She got a great big house in Leduc for $400,000. She came here without a job and then she, you know, I mean, to judge by this, to judge by this story, her idea of living the high life is to go to the Cactus Club. Yeah. Well, we have Cactus Club here. Yeah. Uh, you know, my late father. Johnny and I were there just a few days ago, weren't we, John? We were. Actually, we had a wonderful yeah. lunch at Cactus yeah. Club. You know, my my late father <laughs> of blessed memory, he loved Cactus Club. He was a big fan of the of the uh, butternut squash ravioli. We talked with prawns and the sage, and right? Oh, you know, baby. Yeah, yeah. You know, he may have also been a fan of looking at the waitress's legs, but he was in his eighties, and so I think we have to allow for some recreational, you know, girl watching. (laughs) But, you know, to think that if your metric for being cool is that you go to Cactus Club, I hate to tell you, Ryan and Johnny, that um, that is not a metric (laughs) of of being cool. And, you know, I I just, but I started, you know, my my friend Richard Warnica, who used to work at the Edmonton Journal, is now a Toronto-based journalist, you know, posted that you know sometimes toronto life creates these hate reads on perfect uh, on purpose and now i feel sorry for this poor woman well let's get into Uh, this because this is you you teed this up when we were off air and i said senator let's save this for the show because you make a wonderful point and that is did she know what she was getting into telling this story to toronto life yeah you know i mean what are the ethics i mean you, you know as a journalist, I often worried about this. You know, am I exploiting somebody's naivete when they come to me with their story? And after, you know, after 30 years as a journalist, I would say to people who would call me up and say, I want you to write a story about this. And I would say to them sometimes, how would this, how would a story about this make your life better? Would a story about this on the front page of the Edmonton Journal improve your quality of life? Yes. You know, don't don't come to a newspaper column because you want revenge on your ex-husband or, <laughs> you know, what what whatever it is. Um but, you know, you have to wonder, does Toronto life go looking for these 
people to exploit? Well, I, I was don't know. I've, this... never, I've never worked at Toronto Life, but it seems to me they owe her an ethical duty of care to tell her, oh, by the way, do you know when we write this story, you're going to look like a complete prat and everybody in Alberta is going to, you know, want to burn you in effigy? That said, I've lived in downtown Toronto mm-hmm. and I live in Grota Stakes, Westmount now, and Toronto is cooler and it does have better nightlife. Sure. And we need, you know, I mean... Come on, guys! Like, let's let us let us also calm down and recognize the fact that this this city is not the most exciting place. But honestly, she moved to Leduc, came during a pandemic, and then complained that nobody was in the bars. This I mean, is exactly what I told Ryan yesterday. I said it's it's the American equivalent of like living in Chicago and then moving to like thirty minutes outside Minneapolis. It's just there's no comparison. And I do think what you were saying, Senator. Like, I think. They pushed for her to do this. When she came back, they're like, how'd you like Edmonton? Oh, I hated it, blah, blah. This is perfect. I can see the picture now. I can see the headline. Edmonton's going to flip. We're going to get hundreds of thousands of clicks. I mean, like this is, it's a huge success for them. But yeah, like like you say, and then here I am perpetuating it. But like, here's her photo. You go to TorontoLife.com and there's a big photo, which which for her at the the moment may have been a thrill, right? Because it's a nice photo of her. She looks great and everything. But then it's like her name, her age, her job, where you can find her. And it's kind of like, you know, I I just don't know about about the benefit of that. Um, And it's okay also that Edmonton's not Toronto. You know, the collateral damage here is Leduc, number one. Yes, which is a great community. Everybody in Edmonton's being mean to Leduc. Like like Leduc is like, what the hell did we do? And number two, (laughs) Cactus Club. What did Cactus Club ever do to anybody? I saw on Twitter where I'm not supposed to be anymore that they locked their account. Um, Cactus did? Yeah, I I saw a tweet to that effect. This is the best advertising for Cactus Club ever. Right? I I have to say, I haven't been since my dad passed. Um, But... Um, you should come with Johnny and I. We have our own booth there. Well, you know, in the summertime when they run the 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 misters, yes. sometimes I think I could sit on the deck and be misted with, with oh, yeah. water. But crush mimosas and and all know, kinds of. I mean, yeah. heck, when I was when I was younger than that eighty is now, and you know, somebody posted on on Twitter again where I'm not supposed to be anymore, saying, you know, what nightclubs in Edmonton? You know, what nightclub did you dance at that dates you? And people were saying this club and that club. And so I went on and said, well, I danced at Scandals and Krieg and Flashback, um, you know, back when Edmonton's downtown nightclubs were super cool and I was super cool. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, this is not this is not Toronto and this is not Vancouver. And also pretend to be you can you know, you can buy a house and you can get, you know, I. I, I drove my car downtown in rush hour for the first time in a very long time because I don't come downtown to work anymore. And, uh, you know, it. I was I gave myself lots of time to get here. And then I sat outside the Mercer building for a while because I was embarrassed that I'd arrived this early. There, there are fringe benefits to living here. Having a lot of great nightlife is not one of them. But if your idea of great nightlife is to hang out at Cactus Club, <laughs> I think you need to raise your sights a bit. I agree. It's Get just, out of Mississauga. She should have, I mean, she, she could have got better advice from people. There would be a lot of great places. I think, to be honest with you, I think Explore Edmonton, the tourism branch here in the city, needs to bring her back. I think I, we need to I bring think, her out on a junket. Bring in her the, out for a long weekend. Perhaps and, in the summer. You know? 
I mean, you know, we'll, we'll get a, a group of people together uh, that, that can host her and that can show her the town. And, and I would love to see a follow-up piece uh, put together by Explore Edmonton. I, I collaborated with them last weekend. I know they do great work. So um, I, I have to let you go. Yes. We're breaking a promise to yes. you. That I, have, we would, I have to get to my soul conference. It's, it's, it's so good to see you. It is, it is delightful to have this opportunity to chat with you and with everybody in Edmonton, you know, sometimes people say, have you moved to Ottawa? And I say, no, 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 no. I still see you walking the dog. This is home. Yeah. This is home. Senator Paula Simons, um, a, a well-regarded, uh, admired journalist, and, and and now, of course, a Canadian senator. It's hard to believe you've been a senator for coming up on five years now. Well, it's just, just four. It was my fourth yeah, anniversary. 2018, right? Like, fourth, and it was like end of October. Yeah. So I've just had my fourth anniversary. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's like... It's been a very strange four years it sure for has. everyone. Yes. It sure has. Well, we're lucky to have you there as an independent senator from Alberta. Thank you for bringing Henday along with you. Don't forget to take them on the way out. No, no. Henday Hen Hen is coming with me she uses she her pronouns so oh, she her okay yeah well, i mean well, I, I and i don't know if you want to call her a rooster i, I didn't well i just the the animal appears to have the uh the bust of of a, of a rooster as opposed to a hen but i i, I again i'm not an expert and and my yeah, cousins and I, who keep chickens on their farms are probably right now burying their face in their hands like they do every time I start talking about ag. Yes. You see, well, this is the trouble. I'm the deputy chair of the agriculture committee. I should be able to tell the difference between a chicken and a rooster. Yeah. But she's made of paper mache. Uh, my parents got her at Earl's a long time ago. As Did, long as now, were they were they authorized in, in, in adopting her from Earl's? No, because that's, when that's, I worked there, we used to lose these things all the all time. Right, so here's the final story. When Earl's Tin Palace stopped their chicken motif, Yes. they sold the chicken. Ah. And my parents um, loved going to Earl's uh, and they each went independently to Earl's and each bought the other one a chicken. Without knowing? Without knowing. And then I can't remember if it was for their joint birthday party or for Christmas. They brought out their chickens and it's sort of like that O. Henry story. They each gave each other chickens yes. and then we had a flock of chickens. Um, and then for the rest of their natural lives, people kept giving them chicken tchotchkes, you know, chicken tea towels and chicken candle holders. And, <laughs> and they're, oh, you, you collect chickens. And my mother, who was a woman of great taste and elegance, would grit her teeth and say, no, we don't collect chickens. But then they did collect chickens. It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. So wow. at, our, at our cabin in the woods, we have, I think, four or five of these Earl's chickens amazing but, but henday is the one who gets to i had one star. but it, it did not survive as you as you referenced it's paper mache makeup although i see there has been some yeah there's repairing been, there's done been on some the, road damage to the um, back of this. i do have a bit of a report here for you and, and this is uh, per modernfarmer.com uh i, I originally and, and this says all you need to know i googled the difference between chickens and roosters and it kindly <laughs> reminded me that both roosters and hens are chickens, chickens yes uh but it turns out that it's the comb that was throwing me the fleshy red crest on the top of a chicken's head now both sexes have them which i did not realize but as cockerels mature they will have larger brighter and more pronounced combs than the pullets than the females so roosters will also have larger wattles that's the elongated <laughs> fleshy skin that hangs under the beak that's the other reason i'm wearing the mask and so helps you can't you can't see mine you can't see your wattles <laughs> <laughs> 
Senator Paula Simons, it's always a treat. Uh, in advance, happy Hanukkah, happy holidays, and uh, honestly, couldn't respect you more. It's really nice to have you here in studio. Thanks very much, Ryan. You got it. Uh, this conversation is presented by our amazing sponsors, including the team at Complete Care Restoration. You can find them online at completecarerestoration.ca. Uh, here's, here's the deal. They built our studio for us, and uh, typically, they don't do like new construction. The, uh, Complete Care Restoration shows up in quite frankly awful circumstances right when when there's been a flood or when there's been a big fire or when somebody's discovered mold or needs to get rid of asbestos right that is their wheelhouse and i will tell you in the number of months that we worked with their team and getting this studio built we understand why they are the most trusted brand in restoration their team is so detail oriented so customer focused that we're proud to give them two thumbs up and our unqualified recommendation if you find yourself in a tough circumstance flood fire mold or other disaster that is going to require restoration services you know under your insurance policy you have the right to deal with who you want to deal with we recommend wholeheartedly Complete Care Restoration. You can find them online at completecarerestoration.ca. You're looking for that perfect gift. You're going to show up to maybe a, a company holiday party. Maybe your friends are having a bit, a bit of a mixer. You want to bring something a little bit different, right? Everybody else is going to bring the poppy cock. Someone else is bringing the spinach dip. What about bringing a Dairy Queen cake? Any occasion is a happy occasion with a DQ cake. You can order now. Go to DQCakes.com. The Dairy Queens in Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park are ready to customize that cake in a way that'll wow those that you're celebrating with. We're talking about the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And while you're out gathering stocking stuffers as well to top up what Santa's going to bring, a Dairy Queen gift card is bound to be appreciated by whomever's receiving it. We're getting excited, Johnny and I, to co-host the Apex Automation Christmas Party coming up on Friday. An unbelievable group of professionals, engineers, and automation experts. Their Christmas parties are great because their corporate culture is off the charts. They value their team members over profits, and they prove it time and time again. They've got employees that prefer private office scenarios. They accommodate that. They've got employees that want public gathering areas, ping pong tables, a pool table. They've got it. They open field offices across Canada and the United States so that their employees can be closer to their families as well as closer to their clients. It's all part of the culture that's drawing more and more professional engineers to Apex Automation. You can check out their careers link today at apexautomation.ca. At Park Power, they know that you're going to be paying more for utilities this time of year. That's just a fact. I mean, unless you're one of the real talkers that's joining us from some beautiful tropical location in in Costa Rica, somewhere like that. But at Park Power, they want to remind you that you can keep your energy local and your energy can support local. When you buy utilities from Park Power, you support a small business that's based in Sherwood Park, Alberta. That's right. It's family-owned, a friendly local utilities provider with electricity, natural gas, and internet on offer. You can compare rates today. It takes five minutes or less to bring your business over. And the promo code 2022-REALTALK, which is going to be going for another 13 days, is going to save you $70 off your first bill from Park Power. If you're looking to upgrade your ride, 
Highway safety, of course, paramount for anybody that's going to be traveling through the holiday season. Why not trust the four-wheel drive technology that has led the industry for more than 60 years? The Jeep brand is the most awarded and best-selling SUV brand in North American history. You can find Alberta's best selection of Jeep Grand Cherokees, Grand Wagoneers, and the rest of the Jeep lineup, plus the wildly popular Ram 1500 pickup at Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge. You can link to them under the Sponsors tab on our website, ryanjesperson.com. Well, every week here on the show, we remind you that your emails are such a valued part of what we bring to the table. We invite you to send us emails to talk at ryanjesperson.com, and and many of you do, uh, including trash talk submissions. We've got several of them, and, and the inbox is still open in preparation for tomorrow's rants as we wrap up our show. But there's also emails that we get that, that have to do with content that you've heard on the show, the stories that you've heard our guests tell, the things that you've been thinking of. And I've pulled three of them that we wanted to get to today. These are great messages like this one from Marty in Melbourne. Marty's tuning into Real Talk from Down Under, which we love. Hey, how about yesterday? France earning its birth in the World Cup final. They're going to go head to head against Argentina. This is going to be a battle royale on Sunday morning. Looking forward to this. It was that was insane. Beautiful the, the, game. The goal right off the hop. I was like, oh yeah. my gosh. Are we kind of France is Morocco. No Wanted to see Morocco pull of it course. off. It would have been this like Cinderella First run. African nation to get that far. So like, cool. It would have been a huge thing. But like you really could tell from the onset because I hadn't watched much of France play. I yeah. was like, wow. These, oh, they're, these guys are they're a, a force. machine. So we'll see if Messi wins his first World Cup in his mm-hmm. final World Cup appearance for Argentina or if the French team takes it. will be interesting to see. Yeah, a lot of people saying like that's the final thing he needs to be like a to great legend. No, to be considered the GOAT. The GOAT. The okay. greatest of all time. But like he's already... <laughs> It's not as if he doesn't win. But, he's not a legend already. Oh, he's a so. guaranteed a legend. But it would be yeah. like if Wayne Gretzky. Wow, that's a the bad cherry example. But it would be like if. Uh, what would it be like if like if if Michael Jordan hadn't won any titles? Mm. Nah, that's a bad example. Maybe no. if Michael Jordan didn't win an Olympic gold medal. Maybe that's. Nah, I don't no, know what the equivalent is. Nah, <laughs> maybe we'll just leave this to Andrew Walker on the hedge. Maybe he can take this on. We do have a sports podcast, you know, that where John and I, you know, sort of like take a, more of a backseat. But here's Swing the and a miss. You take a look at the at the 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 grouping that Canada was in, and boy, did that ever play out in in interesting fashion. The Belgians, I think, ranked second overall. Mm-hmm. They, they were they were upset, and so they were out of the tournament. They they were in that grouping. Everybody looked at Belgium. Okay, they're they're the right, but but Morocco, the sne- sleepers who nobody wham, thought all of, the way yeah. to the final four, mm-hmm. and, and then of course you had Croatia that mm-hmm. did that fared really well as well. So so Canada, uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, uh, it was great kind of just to be there. Let's just uh, say although it. the Canadian team would never say that. But we did have an an, an argument unfold in our most recent R- Real Talk roundtable. That was last Friday, the group chat roundtable. If you missed it, Harmon Candola, one of our panelists, had just returned from Qatar. And he sat in this seat right here beside me where, where Senator Simons was just sitting. And, and Harmon basically went on the record and said that Alfonso Davies is much more of a, a legend and is much more of a dominant athlete than Connor McDavid, the the, the Oilers <laughs> hockey star, right? And it lit a fire under some of you. And I love this one from Marty in Melbourne, Australia, who says, uh, Jespo, just a few days ago, your your roundtable brought up a discussion regarding whether or not Alfonso Davies was a bigger deal than Connor McDavid. He says, I've been following the World Cup down here in Oz, and I, and I work with a lot of Brits. 
and almost all of them know who Alfonso Davies is. And guess how many know who Connor McDavid is? Uh, Marty says, hint, it's zero. He says, I agree with your panelists that Davies is the bigger deal and is a better representation of the story of Canada and who we are as a nation. I mean, Alfonso Davies has a remarkable story. Uh, he says, a real bummer about Canada getting knocked out. Uh, but hey, there's always 2026. Marty says, I'm looking forward to seeing it in person. He says, keep up the great work with Real Talk. Now, the question is, we didn't ask who's the more recognizable athlete. No. We asked, we were asking who's the more dominant. Who's the, I, the, the word we invoked was spectacular. And these conversations, I, I hate when they come up in sports, comparing different sports to different sports, different legends to different legends. Like, can't we just let Alfonso Davies be incredible and Connor be incredible on their own? But yes, if you wanted to get down to brass tacks, Connor McDavid is the best hockey player in the world. He's too good for the league that he plays in, but there's no better league. Yeah. Do more people know who Alfonso Davies is? Because more people watch soccer? Yes. But Alfonso Davies is nowhere near the best soccer player in the world right now. Correct. But he's the best soccer player in Canada who plays for Canada. So... You have to make distinctions, right? This was a great one from Carolyn, who was tuning in down in Calgary. A shout out to Carolyn and her family. She says, "I'm I'm just now listening." She sent us this on Tuesday. We get the, a lot of you will go back and you'll and, and you'll listen to past shows and you catch up on your real talk when you're on your road trips or or when you finally get some free time. And we sure appreciate that. She says, "I'm just now on Tuesday listening to Friday's roundtable." And uh, of course, we talked about gun control as well. And if you missed it, uh, an interesting story where two of our panelists, Harmon Candola, Jarrett Campbell, Jarrett born and raised in Manning, Alberta, still a gun owner, grew up around guns. They were out shooting on crown land and they thought they were fine until they realized they weren't. They couldn't be shooting where they were. You can hear the story if you check out the group chat roundtable. Carolyn says, I, th I think one of the reasons that so-called anti-gun people want stronger gun laws, C-21, uh, became very clear through the course of the conversation. She says one of your contributors, Harmon, was talking about going out to Crown Land to shoot skeets with his buddy. And when he started talking about maybe hearing a rumbling and then taking his earplugs out and then noticing people on ATVs coming by, I thought the next sentence would be, oh my goodness, I could have accidentally shot somebody. But it wasn't. And that's why people who know that guns are dangerous weapons don't react well when the argument of being a responsible gun owner is brought up. A responsible gun owner wouldn't shoot guns on crown land for skeet practice. They would stick to a gun range where they know for sure that nobody else could ever possibly be in the line of fire. And a lot of gun owners think they're responsible gun owners. I think the contributor even claimed his friend was JC, but the first reaction proved he most certainly was not. That from Carolyn. Appreciate that, your take. That was a miss by us as well, because we were so into the story we at laughing. the time that that didn't even occur to me as well. I was like, when you brought it up, when you read me the email yesterday, like, I'm going to read this one. I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't even think of that. Like, yeah. people people could have got hurt. But uh, here's here's a pick, by the way, that we did not show of. Good old Harmon. Was this Harmon at the World, Club, Harman World Cup and guitar? Yeah. And a lot of people chiming in on the chat, like, we haven't forgotten about you know, the political ramifications of 
what's going on in Qatar and everything. Just because we're talking about what soccer, people, yeah, oh. you know, we're not ignoring. We've that. addressed that multiple times. I, I at the beginning I didn't even watch it. Right now I'm just kind of it's in the background or whatever. Oh, but. we've addressed it multiple times. Yeah, no, of course, yeah. of course, obviously. Yeah. I mean, like migrant. Workers, I would love like, it to happen anywhere else. It's brutal. It's a dis- <laughs> it's, it's a disgrace. horrible. It's a disgrace that the World Cup is happening in Qatar. It's horrible. And and this show has taken strong positions on that, and it's and it's a disgrace that Russia and China have hosted the Olympic Games, mm-hmm. and th- there are many disgraceful elements to international sporting events and people Mm -hmm. can pick and choose if they like to watch them or not. That's totally fine. Ron wrote in about homelessness and he said, uh, Jespo, Johnny, as somebody who lives in downtown Edmonton, I've seen firsthand the homelessness situation. People sleeping outside downtown Pedways in Calgary. They call them the plus 15s uh, and in little nooks around office buildings downtown. Ron says, I don't feel anger. I don't feel disgust. I feel an immense sense of sadness uh, for these people's lack of a living space. I've spent some time uh, watching videos uh, in places like Los Angeles and Vancouver, and I find one consistent through line. He says it's a lack of trust in institutions. And he says, and I'm not sure what the solutions are, and I'm not sure what could be said or done to win the trust of these people, but we should try Ron says, during this holiday season, I find myself immensely grateful for everything I have. My dog, my family, my apartment, my job as a dishwasher. Uh, But I also know that there's always a risk of me being a situation or two away uh, from being on the streets myself. And if you think about it, we all are. Ron says, thanks and Merry Christmas. Unbelievable. We really appreciate that. Thanks, Ronald. Yeah, you can text us, uh, send us an email anytime, of course, to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Calm. Uh, I also noticed a lot of people. It's 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 kind of too bad sometimes when I'm when I'm I'm engrossed in a conversation like with Paul. I'll be honest. I wasn't really watching the live chat that much, but I did notice that a lot of people when it, when I brought up sous vide and that method of cooking. Anytime mm-hmm. you talk about cooking or tradition, uh, people are gonna are gonna come in and have their own takes on this. Have you ever? Is there like a uh, sorry? Pardon my ignorance. Is there would there be a plant based application for sous vide? Would it I, make I'm sense? Not sure. I don't know. I don't actually know. But I, you would think so. Like if you were going to, for example, like do like a chickpea patty or like a portobello mushroom patty, mm-hmm. if you're going to do something like that, I wonder if sous vide would explain exactly what sous vide. So is, sous vide I think is I basically know. so here's and, and I, I I mean I just it's not new technology and I don't know too much about it, but my understanding of it is basically you don't need too much to do it. Mm-hmm. You can do it literally with a with a pot. Like you don't have to buy a special pot. You got a pot like a Dutch whatever uh, a is pot it like with the water. Oil and so, the no patty. no no no. So you just fill the pot with water. You put your protein or whatever you're cooking. And again, I hope I'm not butchering it. Somebody's going to be watching right now being like, what are you even talking about? Shouldn't but, so here's what Blair did. My buddy Blair. So he puts a prime rib. Uh, he puts it into a like a, a plain old Ziploc bag. You got to make sure it's not going to get wet. You don't want the water touching it. Mm. So it's in a Ziploc, like a big freezer bag. You put it in the water, which is like room temperature, whatever. doesn't matter. The sous vide goes in and it's just like a, it looks like a, like almost like a, well, it looks like a big vibrator is what it looks like. And uh, it goes in, you set it at temperature. So if you want the prime rib, he was saying 132 degrees for a nice medium rare all the way through. And you put the sous vide in and it will get the water to 132 degrees Mm -hmm. and then it will bring the protein, in this case, the prime rib to 132 degrees and then it just stops. It doesn't keep cooking it because it stops at 132. And so you can keep it there. So it's a way of slow cooking. He said the prime rib would take, you know, between eight and 10 hours, depending on the size. And then he showed me photos of what it looked like. And I know your, your preference isn't prime rib, but you know, as I talk about it, it's going to gross you out. You're like, this is dead animal that you're talking about. It doesn't gross me out. But, Let's, yeah. but, but so you know in prime rib, as an example, and I'm a huge prime rib guy, mm-hmm. 
you get the red, like that perfect red in the middle, but then it gets kind of brown and gray on the outsides, mm-hmm. right? Well, sous vide prime rib is perfect color, consistent all the way through, and then you finish it on the grill or however you finish it under the broiler maybe and you get this nice brown around the edge but as you cut in it is perfectly and consistently cooked he told me he said for the average person where they would benefit most uh, let's say a a meat eater anyway Mm -hmm. chicken breast is so easy to dry out i can't stand chicken breast he says a sous vide chicken breast will be absolutely perfect so there you go well no i don't think there's a a (laughs) plant-based substitution for that. Justin said, Justin, Justin on the chat right now, he says corn on the cob you could do. Oh, says you could do potatoes, sweet potatoes. He says there's a ton of plant-based applications, which is great. Uh, Cactus Sheriff is also checking us, which is great. We invite that. We know he said regular plastic bags. That's a terrible idea. The heat will release plastic molecules into the food. Okay, good point. Well, do your research. Don't listen to us. (laughs) No, not at all. And does Cactus Sheriff go to Cactus Club? Is cactus why, sheriff maybe i wonder if they just used to be sheriff and now it's cactus sheriff i feel it's bad for, i feel bad for the folks but here's the thing all press is good press amazing and, ev- and press. everybody talking yeah. about cactus club is going to have everybody thinking about cactus club you and i almost dropped everything and went to cactus club yesterday, yesterday. talking about it but like but we do have a rule that we can't go more than once per week you course. and i and one last thing on this so we don't have to talk about it next week can cities just be different like do they all have to be striving to be new york city like montreal has its thing vancouver is incredible i lived there for seven years right downtown Vancouver's amazing and you know Vancouver's what it was also brutal i would rather be living in edmonton just because it suits me better i like that it's kind of a small town feel if you want to go 20 minutes outside the city but if i want to go downtown and see a show or a band or a dj or go to a lounge I can do that as well. Can't they just be different? Like, why does everyone have to strive to be? Doesn't some have to be like mecca of entertainment. It we don't. We have Toronto. We know it's great. Vancouver is great too. Montreal is good too. Winnipeg. No, but like, I'm sure every city. Have you ever been to Winnipeg for someone in the summer? Who loves their city has its thing. Have and you been to Winnipeg in the summer? No, but I phenomenal. I've been to Winnipeg in the middle of winter. I yeah, had this I, mean, I took a bus from Toronto to BC when I was 21. It was the stupidest thing I've ever done. I got stranded in the bus stop in Winnipeg and it was freezing. Okay. But I don't know anything about Winnipeg other hot, than that. Your like, hot take on Winnipeg <laughs> is that it's freezing in the winter. Well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the mosquitoes are big. Tell yeah. us some, tell us something we don't know, Johnny. Hey, we have been so lucky. I mean, we're always grateful to have you here on the show, John. You do a great job, but you've really ramped it up this over, over these past oh, few no. weeks. I feel like we should have music for this. With your weekly, well, you want to tee it up? <laughs> uh, your weekly John Hicks holiday movie review. This is exclusively on Real Talk and only uh, from John Infamous Hicks. <laughs> And every week you've put something on our radar, a, a holiday movie that you believe is worth us investing 90 to 120 minutes. What's every this week's week, selection? Ryan wants to have a coffee and a nappy. So I do this and take him off camera. <laughs> this week is. I'll be back in 20 minutes. Now, you know, we're talking about cheesy movies. This isn't like recommending good movies. There are the classics. By the way, I was looking at holiday movies. The classics are just the classics, right? Do you know that every like m- major classic movie we watch at Christmas, 20 to 25 years old. Home Alone. Oh, at least. Christmas Vacation. Even Elf is getting up there. Yeah. Uh, But the newer ones, people tend to watch these Hallmark ones. So me and my wife are just running through the cheesy ones. They're playing in the background while she's baking. And this week, 
we went to uh, the man who doesn't seem to age, Mario Lopez. Look at that guy. <laughs> still looks unreal. <laughs> looks 30, 25, 30 years old still. It's called Stepping Into the Holiday, and Holiday uh, is in the title because he plays Billy Holiday, not to be confused, of course, with the incredible jazz singer, Billy Holiday. It's a Billy with a, a Y, uh, who is host of Celebrity Dance Off in this movie, a show that seems very similar to Dancing with the Stars, who, of course, Mario Lopez was on. Uh, so is his co-star in this movie. Uh, her name is Jana Kramer. You remember her from Entourage, One Tree Hill, Friday Night Lights. She's an incredible actress All as right. well. Is this movie incredible? Oh, I don't know. It's it's your typical Hallmark movie. Uh, it's a lifetime movie. And what happens? Uh, he gets fired. He goes back to a small town outside of California. It always happens like this. And meets Jana, who, of course, is running her own small dance studio in this town uh, where uh, she actually teaches his nephew. Uh, and here's his. And you'll never guess what happens next. <laughs> right. So it's pretty typical. Uh, they get to go around the town. They throw a very small, very uh, rural. Uh, well, not rural because it's still in the state of California. But, you know, they go to a barn and they and they throw a, a dance recital that is very down home. And what happens, of course, he starts lighting up on Twitter because his nephew or sorry, on uh, TikTok, because his nephew is throwing up videos of they call him Mr. Holidays. Last name's Holiday uh, being in this small town, not letting his firing, getting him down and uh, uh, helping out the community. And what happens? The network comes crawling back and Ooh. says, you're trending. We want you back. And he has this choice. I'm falling in love with her. My nephew's here. Do I go back to the big city? Do I in Hollywood or do I stay in the small town? You obviously and, go to Hollywood. <laughs> Well, there's no, there's the no real debate. world. There's no debate. But no, he chooses this small town recital, oh. and of course, at the end, they light it up. But uh, it's it's not unwatchable, is what I will say. Oh, what so, a ringing endorsement! It's no, it's great. I mean, are not all holiday movies in some way cheesy and a little? You know, there's a few scenes that make it you depends the genre cringe. But yeah, it depends the genre. If you're gonna watch a movie, and and by the way, just again, Mario Lopez refusing to age. Guy's unreal. I don't know. I he don't, looks like he, he still looks like he's on Saved by the Bell. He looks incredible. And there are close ups in this movie where I had paused and been like, because, you know, me and my wife want to know, like, what's he doing? Is it facials? Is it Botox? <laughs> my wife swears that she's like, I think he's all natural, except for so, like some peels and and obviously maybe maybe a shot or two in the forehead. <laughs> Like, I mean, come on. He doesn't even have a wrinkle. They even make a note. Uh, what's, it, your, what's your personal position on Botox? Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind if people enhance themselves. No, but like you personally. Do what you want to do. Oh, me? Have yeah. I used it? Never. Well, would you? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, think it's, I think it's becoming like more of a normal thing. It's, well, it's been a normal thing for a long time. Have you? Would you? Uh, I have not, and and I don't know if I I, I don't think I, it's one of those things where you see like I, you know what I've always loved is I uh, this is like whatever this is uh, here's my thing the the most important thing I will say on this is that ever, do what makes you happy that's what I'm saying that's my position on this so do whatever makes you happy I personally it's kind of not my thing and I've I've always thought that people that sort of age 
like as they age, like yesterday or a couple of days ago, I was talking to a friend and and she was like, I was like, who is your, who's like your all time. We were talking about like all time beauties. Like Mm -hmm. who, who is it like a celebrity that you just think is like just a classic and like names like Jane Fonda came up. She said, Robert Redford. I was like, yes. I mean, like these are Mm -hmm. the, the classics, but like Robert Redford or, or like Clint Eastwood, or, I mean, I'm going old school, but they didn't like try to look like Wayne Newton or they didn't try to like there's there's the guys that are kind of doing the thing and you're like you're not fooling anyone and you start to look a bit foolish I would say Um, they also didn't have access to all the the crazy things we have nowadays that are so much more affordable but I'm glad they didn't and they also didn't have to live their life on social media so I think there's a there's there's a push right now to look incredible for a very long time if you're in any sort of media television or Hollywood so and I don't mind like look I'll show you the wrinkles in my forehead right now. Yeah, look at those wrinkles. That's because you. It's because you spent I've your whole career. I've got three lines in my head. Tough questions. They show up when I'm when I'm pondering something, and I don't yeah. know. I'm under the same opinion as you. I like when people age gracefully, but I don't care. Do your you, thing. I don't care at all. You do Botox? You want to do steroids? Yeah, you wanna, I don't care. Like a buddy as long of as you're mine, not hurting someone else. Go well, ahead. Steroids is a bit of a yeah. I mean, why? That's a, what? I've always had this opinion. Okay. I've, I've always, said, I've always said you should have the steroid Olympics. If, I think it would be amazing. If if no matter who you are, if you're getting breast implants, Botox, whatever it is, you want to do steroids, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, it, you're not hurting me. I feel, it's well, it's damaging your health, <laughs> they might if anything, you. right? Yeah. So do whatever you want. I like this from Shirley. He's, Shirley says somebody should do the reverse holiday movie. Young girl leaves the flannel guy and goes to the city and meets a rich suit guy. <laughs> I think that's called Pretty Woman, isn't it? Wow, she's right though. the the The, the timeline, the the casting, the whole script is usually the same in these things. Yeah, uh, which is why they're perfect to have just on in the background. Because, like I said, there's only a few classics that are incredible, and my wife likes to save these until Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Home Alone, Elf, Christmas Vacation, The Muppets Christmas Carol. Uh, See, I was wondering when you were going to start getting into those classics, but yeah, I like because it's a no, wonderful the, life. You watch that right before you go to bed Christmas Eve. That's but the, the whole point you know? of the John Hicks holiday movie review is to put movies we may not know about on our radar. Not for That's you to I'm tell doing. us. You're not telling us Elf is funny. Like, no. yeah, we got it. So I've been doing the cheesy ones, but I do have a really good newer one for next week that I'm saving that okay. could become like spirited was one where I was like, this is a new one that That's is the Ryan Reynolds. Will Ferrell. That, could, that went right into my classics bin, a newer one, just like elf. I think elf is the most recent modern one Four Christmases is another one. Have you seen Christmas Chronicles? Christmas Chronicles is great, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go through all of the episodes, right? No, no, no. It's a, it's a movie. With with uh, what's his Goldie and Kurt? Yeah, the two of them. Right? Yeah, yeah. What's, what's why can't Kurt? Russell, Sorry, two movies, Goldie Hunt. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, Christmas Chronicles one and two. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's some heavy lifting, but you get a big bowl of popcorn, buddy. You're good to go. Your your son is big on the big on Christmas, Christmas Chronicles. Chronicles. Wyatt wants to watch Christmas Chronicles in July. We have to <laughs> we have to like we have to rip it a no kiddo. But like as soon as. So it's it, it's like he's he's under he's old enough to try to process what Remembrance Day is all about and really try to understand it in earnest and he's just got a wonderful perspective as a seven year old on the importance of observing Remembrance Day and that's due in part I like to think in part to his upbringing but also at his school his teacher uh, they do a really great job the the administration at the school but he also understands that right after Remembrance Day we can start really getting into it and so it was like hol- the first holiday movie screened in the Jesperson household on November twelfth. Yeah, Christmas absolutely. Chronicles. Christmas Chronicles was the very first one. Hmm. 
Cool to see the Winifred Stewart Association yesterday from their Instagram account, WSAF1953. You know, the Winifred Stewart Association does amazing things for adults with developmental disabilities, celebrating their big win as Kubi Renewable Energy's clean energy giveaway. You remember this? It happened on Real Talk. You, Real Talkers, were the ones that nominated Kubi Energy's winner, the Winifred Stewart Association. And we're thrilled to let you know that on Joey's home, that's in honor of the beloved Joey Moss, the solar panels are up and operating and they are seeing the impact on their operating costs. They're down. The cost of utilities are down, which means that this nonprofit can do more work with the funds that they're raising, benefiting the many, many people that are associated with the Winifred Stewart Association. Our thanks, not just, of course, to you, Real Talkers, for participating and casting your votes in this amazing contest, but to our amazing partners at Kubi Renewable Energy for sending your crew out, for getting those solar panels up on the roof. Kubi Renewable Energy is providing solar solutions to power your life. A full service contractor in Alberta and British Columbia, proudly based out of Edmonton and Kamloops, Tesla certified installers doing work on the, the big projects like the Edmonton Convention Center, that whole cascading glass wall you see coming down into the River Valley, that whole thing is a solar installation done by Kubi. They also do garden sheds. Whatever the size of your project, you can get your free quote today at kubienergy.ca. At Friesen Brothers, 16 locations across the province of Alberta. They're still taking orders for their Christmas dinner box. It's a Ukrainian-inspired Christmas dinner. You can order it online. Easy to reheat while you're setting the table. Each dinner box feeds up to four people, and it goes for just $60. $15 a person for a full-blown Ukrainian Christmas meal, including pierogies with all the fixings, carrots and creamy dill sauce. Of course, you've got turkey in-store made cranberry sauce, and you can add on things like fried sausage, lazy cabbage rolls, cheese balls, pumpkin, apple pies, and of course, Granny Loveson's famous Christmas cake. You can place your order today at Friesen.com. And we mentioned it, of course, earlier in the show. You know, tomorrow's Friday. That means another edition of Trash Talk presented by Local Environmental Services. Send us your rant today to talk at ryanjesperson.com. And don't forget, if you live in Alberta or Saskatchewan, if you're a business owner, if you're a community organizer, if you're a decision maker, keep it local with your garbage, recycling, and other services. Fencing, portable toilets, water hauling. You can get your quote today from the family-owned team at local at localenvironmental.ca. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we've got another Real Talk Roundtable presented by Urban Timber. We're working on putting that group together. And if we get who we're asking for, it's going to be an explosive conversation. It's going to be inspired by the Toronto Life piece, the hit job on Edmonton with tongue in cheek a little bit. But this is a real life story. We won't tell you too much yet, but a couple of very skilled and talented professionals who found they indeed don't have a home here and they've decided to leave see if it pans out real talk is hosted by ryan jesperson executive producer josh dunford technical producer john hicks general manager katie cook chivers account coordinator lawrence derlego 
Human Resources, Lena Shepard. Website Design, Mike Johnston. VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.